glory to his name. And I think we want to continue to bring glory to him as we turn to scripture. Turn with me to Psalm 50. Psalm 50. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the incident that took place again this week for me was uh, someone asked me, can you hear me now? And it's a common phrase I think that we may at times all hear as we speak to one another by our phones. Can you hear me now? And uh, you would think that in today's uh, technology that wouldn't be a problem, and yet it seems to be, can you hear me now? And I think about that in our reference to thinking about God and his glory and people worshiping him or not worshiping him and what God has for us. Uh, and shows himself in so many different ways. Perhaps we could ask the question, can you see him now? Can you hear him now? And those are questions that only you can answer yourself. And I think we realize that God has planted evidence of his existence uh, on the pages of history and nature. As you look around, certainly you can see that. Someone has said it takes a willingness to see him, an open mind to search for him, a sensitive heart to accept him and his selfless life to follow him. Interesting thing about this is that those who don't want to believe in him use the mind that he gave to them to discredit him. How interesting. But the God, the creator, has spoken to us through this psalm here, and I like to read this psalm. Psalm 50. The mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons on the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silent. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heaven above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and perform your vows to the Most High, and call upon him in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline, and you cast my words before you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you keep company with adulteresses. You give your mouth free from you give your mouth free rein for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak evil. I'm sorry, you sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done. And I have been silent. You thought that I was like yourself. 
But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this, then, you who forget God, lest that tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. May we do that this morning. Offer thanksgiving to him. He is speaking. Can you hear him now? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your kindness to us again, for allowing us to gather in this way. You have spoken to us in so many ways by your word. And as we look around, we cannot but deny that you are God, the creator, the sustainer, the giver of life. We bless your name and give thanksgiving to you. And this morning, again, we want to honor you by our service this morning to thank you for the wonderful works for Jesus Christ, for redemption, salvation, the hope we have in you of eternal life. Bless this day our service again. Bless each teacher, and we again bring praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on us today, for bringing us together in this way. Thank you for your word that's before us. Thank you for giving us that in book form. We pray your blessing on Lord as he preaches from your word. May you anoint him with your spirit and open your word, reveal these truths to us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Greet each one in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be gathered together here with you this morning. As I'm sure you all are aware, today is a special day, and it's a day that touches each one of our lives, and it has touched each life that has ever lived except the first two people in this world, and that is that it's Mother's Day, and we've all had a mother. This is a day that our country has set aside to honor those mothers in our life, and I'm very grateful today that God has blessed my life with godly mothers. I praise Him and, and feel incredibly blessed for that privilege. You know, my mother, as well as my wife Alicia's mother, mothers of faith who taught us the ways of God and pointed us toward the Lord. There's a few interesting things I discovered in my studies as I looked into Mother's Day. And the first one I want to share with you is in the years preceding the Civil War, a lady by the name of Ann Reeves Jarrett of West Virginia started what she called the Mother's Day Work Clubs. And these were gatherings to teach local women how to properly care for their children. These groups later became very instrumental in bringing unity to a country divided by the Civil War. Later in 1868, Jarvis started Mother's Friendship Day, where mothers gathered former soldiers from the Confederate and Union armies to promote reconciliation. And this lady, her daughter later was the, was the, the woman that um, got the United States government to recognize Mother's Day as an official national holiday. But I found it very fitting that this day has its origins in promoting peace in our country. Mothers with their caring nature 
and caring hearts were looking to bring peace and re reconciliation to the broken world. And another interesting fact is that phone traffic spikes by as much as 37% on this day. So people are, are calling their mothers and wishing them well on this day. So that, that was, was a nice fact, I thought. So today I will be sharing some um, principles from scriptures from, for mothers. Um, so this obviously is kind of a, a maybe a little bit of a parenting message. And before I want before I get into this, I want you all to know that this is something I needed to hear very what very much as well. Um, you know, these principles apply to to all of us. I hope. You know, I'm sure my my children could probably really testify to that. I need to hear this message. <laughs> um, but I was blessed and challenged by these scriptures um, that I'll be sharing with you today. Um, my toes, like I said, were definitely stepped on as I, I studied for this. And my prayer is that God would give me the wisdom and strength to follow the examples of these godly women that we'll be looking at today. And I hope that they can be an encouragement to you as well. You know, there are many things in these scriptures that we can apply to our lives, regardless if we are a mother or not. Um, even though this is a mother-focused me message today. So, um, for the message today, I will be looking um, at scriptures from the book of 2 Timothy. And the book of Second, First and Second Timothy were written to the man by the name of Timothy. And they were written uh, by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul spoke very highly of this man, Timothy. Paul loved him very much and referred to him as a son. And you'll notice as we read these scriptures that Paul mentioned that he continually prayed for Timothy and how he was longing to see him. Timothy had also been a companion to Paul on a few of his missionary journeys. He was a leader in the early church who was a highly respected young man. He was a man with authentic and a deep faith. This second letter of Timothy was a letter of encouragement from Paul to Timothy to be faithful regardless of the difficulties that would come. Throughout this letter, he tells Timothy of the hardship that Paul had endured and of the hardship that Timothy would endure as a soldier for Christ. So I was challenged with Timothy's devotion to the cause of Christ. Um, he was a devout disciple of the Lord Jesus and was a partner in the work of God with the Apostle Paul. So my question is, how did Timothy become the man of faith that he was? Who or what laid the foundation for the man that he was in, in these scriptures today? And for that answer, I want to read from the book of 2 Timothy. I'll be reading 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Read the scriptures at this time. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy." When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also, 
Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So today I would like to consider the examples of two women of faith in scripture that leave a power te powerful testimony for mothers today who strive to raise their children for the Lord. These women were Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. In the book of the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, one of the points is the law of legacy. In short, one of the measures of a leader's lasting value is succession or legacy. And we see this in the life of Lois, Timothy's grandmother. She passed on her faith to her daughter as well as her grandson. Her grandson was then a pillar in the Church of Christ who passed on the faith to many people. So our question for, for you as a mother today is, what is the legacy you are building? You know, we're all leaving a legacy of some kind. You know, some legacies may be a lot, you know, more noticeable, but we're all leaving a legacy, either for the good or the bad. So there's four, four points that I want to look at today as we look at these two women of faith here in this scripture. And the first one I want to look at is in verse 5. It says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. I think as a mother it's important to have unfeigned faith. This faith that dwelled in Paul, or sorry, Timothy, filled Paul with joy. Timothy's life was a blessing that his life was filled with this faith. Paul observed Timothy's service to his Lord, his zeal for the kingdom of God, and he was blessed and it brought him such joy. But this Faith was a faith that had been passed down for his grandmother. <clears throat> so the word unfeigned is a word that we're probably not familiar with, um, but the original Greek text gives us the meaning of unhypocritical, not counterfeit, sincere, genuine. Timothy's faith was sincere faith. It was a heartfelt faith, and it was an authentic faith. And I think we all appreciate people of authenticity. We don't like people that are fake or hypocritical. You know, today um, we lament the place that our culture finds itself, and we wish that we could see a change in that in, in our society. But I believe if we want to create real change in our culture, we need to re, um, raise godly children, and that's, a, that's something that mothers can do, do well, raise children that are godly and have powerful faith. You know, if we raise uh, children that grow into strong, God-fearing adults, they can make a positive impact in their communities. By showing the love of Christ to their friends and neighbors, we, they can make a world a better place. You know, sometimes I think we as Christians, we can get too wrapped up in the culture that we're in. We can spend too much time being a part of the system of the world. 
we spending too much time on our own pleasure, and our own building our own wealth and not laying up treasures in heaven. You know, for me as a farmer, it's, it's easy to know all the latest and greatest farming practices and things, but do I serve the Lord with the same zeal? I'm afraid sometimes I, I get those mixed up. Do I let the temporal fleeting things distract me from the kingdom work? Kingdom work is hard. It takes time and effort, and sometimes I don't like that too well. So mothers, don't get discouraged, even though it gets hard at times. You know, that's a theme in Second in Timothy, is that the work of the Lord will be hard. And as we think of unfeigned faith being genuine and sincere, mothers, do your children observe sincerity in your life? Is your life free from hypocrisy? Children are especially quick to pick up on that. You know, I, th- I believe a um, hypocritical a parent will probably, you know, a Christian that's hypocritical will do more damage to a child's view of Christian life than an unbelieving parent. You know, we as a Christian parent are hypocritical. We present a false view of, of the Christian life to our children. Our children will be left with a pattern to follow that will be unauthentic and they will struggle to be authentic and live true Christian lives. Just a few questions to consider in our lives. You know, what do our children see us model, you know, in private versus in public? How do we relate to people at home versus to people at church? You know, how do we relate to our spouse? How about our speech? Is it upbuilding? How, would, how do we talk about others, you know, when, especially when we have a different viewpoint than someone else? Um, is it, is our speech about other people that have different viewpoints edifying? Do we practice graciousness? You know, those are really the situations that our children will see our true faith, if it's hypocritical or not, or genuine. You know, if something is to be genuine and authentic, it needs to be made with the right things. It's very important that we fill our lives and our minds with the right things. You know, I think I've been to weddings that have had these, and maybe you have too. You went to a wedding and, and the the silverware, plasticware, whatever, it looks very nice, it looks very, it looks authentic. Um, but as you sit down and start to eat the meal, you f- discover that they're fake and under stress, they don't hold up to job, the job, they weren't made out of the right stuff. They look nice and shiny, um, but that steak, it just, it's too much for it. They weren't made to last. Um, and so as, as a mother, your, your life needs to be made with the right stuff. Um, it needs to be built to handle the the stresses of the job. And that comes when we have that authentic faith. And sincerity also means that we are honest with ourselves about who we are. You know, be honest about your weakness and failures. Be real with your children. Um, We're not going to fool them. They know who we are. Um, So just be, be real with your children. And also, I think authentic faith brings security to our lives. When our faith is founded in Christ, it brings security, which helps us to provide our children with a secure home. Children who experience security are much more likely to grow up to be positive, confident adults. You know, children are just like a tender plant. Um, I think most of us are very familiar with, you know, greenhouses. There's many greenhouses across the countryside in our area. Those little plants need a nice, secure, warm spot out of the wind, 
out of the snow, out of the rain to get their start in life. So children need security and nurturing of a loving parent to give them that good start. You know, but if we're, as a parent, as a mother, if we're not secure in our relationship with the Lord, maybe we struggle to be committed to our church, committed to God, committed to our marriage, our children will sense that and it will help, it will hinder their, their growth and their potential. You know, I'm very grateful for parents that blessed me with a secure home. I always knew they loved God and loved each other, and that has been a great blessing to my, my life um, and helped me in, in my life. So I guess my plea to you mothers is to be rooted and grounded in God's Word. Be secure in your relationship with God. Study the Scripture and find your inspiration there. Don't dis- become distracted by you know every wind of new thing that comes along. There's so many things that can distract us and lead us away from the voice of the shepherd today. Um, listen to the voice of the shepherd and he'll guide your life so that you can be a loving, nurturing mother that he wants you to be and you can guide your hearts of your children to him. The second point um, I would like to share is that it, in, um, also in verse 5, it said that it dwelt first in, the, in thy grandmother Lois. And that is that we teach by example. You know, this faith was first in Lois's life and then Eunice's life and then passed on to Timothy. They had the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling with them then and then they were the temples of the Lord. So you mothers today have the same opportunity. You can be a temple of God and he can dwell within you. And that's a very been a very powerful perspective for me to consider that God can dwell within each one of us. We are never alone or forsaken if we have him and it's the Lord of our life. You know, grandmothers, even as your children leave home and start their own families, your character and your example are still teaching the oncoming generation. You know, I can definitely remember the good good godly examples of my grandmothers and also had the privilege of spending time with Alicia's grandparents over the time we were dating. I would stay at their house and it was it was an encouragement for me to observe their life and also my grandmothers. I had the privilege of living in the same community as one of my grandmothers for about eight years and it always blessed me with her enthusiasm and interest in the lives of her grandchildren and also even beyond her own family and and the positive impact she had on her community. So grandmothers, you know, you still have a role to play in influencing the next generation. There's still work to be done. You can can encourage the, the other mothers, children, and pass on that unfeigned faith. You know, as when we think about the example that we're passing on, you know, Lois, when she was a young mother, caring for her daughter Eunice, she didn't see the future, what the future would hold, um, the impact that her example would have on her daughter and then on her, on her grandson. But she was faithful in teaching the next generation the ways of God. John Wesley said of his mother, I have learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians of England. John Wesley's mother was very involved in her children's life in teaching them the ways of God as their father traveled around the countryside preaching. Um, She spent a lot of time with her children teaching them the ways of God. 
So my question for you mothers today is what dwells in your heart? What are you modeling to your children? You know, what, what is filling your heart? Hopefully it's the things of God and it's not like um, Jacob's wife Rachel where she hid idols. Um, she hid her idols when her father came looking for them. She was hoping no one would notice. Um, don't hide idols in your heart but have the power of God living in your heart. I, my prayer for you mothers is that your heart can be filled with the peace and the joy of the Lord and that the fr fruits of the Spirit could fill your life. You know, if, we, if you desire that your children to grow up in adulthood to be strong pillars of faith in the church and the kingdom of God, this authentic faith needs to be first in your life and filling your life. Children learn by example and you know there's times in my life where I see my children doing something and I'm like I know where that came from um, <laughs> I was the example that taught them that sometimes it's good and sometimes um, it's not so good they're just following the example that I set for them the third point I want to share with you is actually in uh, 2 Timothy 3 and I'm going to read uh, verses 14 through 17 2 Timothy 3, 14-17 But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So here's a, a thing that I think is very important as well, is that we need to start teaching our children at a very young age. They're very, children at a young age um, learn things much quicker than we do as adults. And I, think, I believe that's one of the reasons that Timothy became the man that he was, was because his mother and grandmother were diligent teaching him as he was a young child. The minds of children are very tender and easily molded when they are young. We're teaching them many habits um, as they are young children. Some of them will probably persist into their older years. So let's be careful what we're helping them form as a young child. <clears throat> Proverbs also tells us that we should train up a child. Here again the idea of a young child. Um, training them when they're young. And this, this word train is actually has the idea of dedicate. You know, as, young ch as our children are young, we need to dedicate them to the Lord. We need to teach them the wisdom of the Scripture. In verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in right righteousness. <coughs> I've heard it said, someone put the ver this verse this way, all scripture is good for teaching us what's right, what's not right, how to get it right, and how to keep it right. And I think, you know, as, as we teach our children, there's so much that we can teach them from scripture, so many situations in life that as we look for ways to teach our children, we can turn to scripture. If we want to give them a strong foundation to build their life on, 
Scripture is, is a good place to go. I, I like the way that the ESV version um, puts verse 17. I think it's a goal that most mothers would have for their children. It says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, it's we make a complete man from the scriptures. God has it all there for us. And this is one of the results that can come from teaching our children the scriptures from a young age. <coughs> is that they can, they can be ready for the job that they're facing as an adult. The fourth point I would like to share with you is that um, even though it appears that Timothy's father was not a Christian, Eunice still raised a godly son despite this. <clears throat> I want to read in Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain <coughs> woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took him and circumcised him, because the Jews which were in those quarters for they knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the city, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. <coughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had a tickle in my throat. So it appears here that, you know, it says that his father was a Greek. And it probably means that he was not a believer. And this was a situation that probably happened quite frequently in the early church where one spouse became a Christian and the other's not. And I think in First uh, Peter 3, 1, I'm going to read that as well. The, Peter here writes some principles for when they face this situation. <coughs> Says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, <coughs> that if any obey not in the word, they also may be without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. And this speaks, you know, the Apostle Peter is speaking here, encouraging wives of unbelieving husbands to be obedient to their husbands, even though they might not be converts yet. A lot of new people were coming into the church and, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> and this was a situation that a lot of them were facing probably. And this might seem a little hard for these wives to do, but one thing I was really blessed with is, you know, this is, you know, if we back up a few scriptures from First uh, Peter 1, 3, 1, that is a, a, scripture, or a principle that we can all live by that we 
you know, we expect that if we live a righteous life, we'll be rewarded and praised by those. But if we back up a few verses, you know, the, the Christian life is, isn't just for when things are easy. And um, when things get tough, we are still called to, to live by the principles of God. And this principle of submission is not only for women, but for all who are believers in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> in the 19th verse of 1 Peter 2, we are told that it is praiseworthy if we suffer wrongfully. For even though you know, we're following God's ways, that is praiseworthy. I did give a cough drop of that. <laughs> and um, at the end of the chapter 2, he also tells us that that's the example Jesus left for us to follow. Jesus was wrongfully accused. He was beaten, he was scourged, he was condemned to death. Even though he suffered all that, there was no reviling that came from him. No reviling of his accusers, no threatening, no hatred displayed toward them. But Jesus committed himself into the hands of the righteous judge. Yeah, I'll take that. But Jesus, you know, he found himself in this situation where he was wrongfully accused um, by others, um, but he he didn't revile them. He left a powerful example for us to follow. (coughs) You know, that's so different from what we see displayed in in the world today. And it appears that Eunice found herself in the scenario that Peter laid out here in chapter 3, verse 1. I believe that she not only modeled Christ to her husband but also to her son you know your children are watching not only how you respond in the good situations but also in the difficult and trying times and we can be gracious in tough times it speaks volumes to our children so those are just the four lessons that i would like to leave with you from (coughs) sorry from the life of eunice and loss and just in closing Um, A few thoughts I would like to share with you. You know, as we think about the lessons we can learn from these mothers, and as you think about, you know, the families that God has called you to care for, I think it's very important as mothers and, and parents in general that we approach this responsibility with great humility. <coughs> we need to realize that on, on your own strength, you know, we're, you're not up to the task. But there is someone that wants to come alongside you and help you with that task. Our loving Savior, Jesus Christ, is there for your every need. He's promised that he will give you wisdom if you ask. James 1.5 tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of him that giveth to him. And... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. And I encourage you as mothers to claim that promise today. God will give you wisdom as we humbly come before him and ask for that. You know, I've had to come to grips with the fact (coughs) that I'll never be the perfect parent. You know, I'll never be the best protector. I'll never understand everything perfectly. 
you know, there's going to be times that I hurt my children, and I don't say this just to shirk my responsibility and, and make, <clears throat> make excuses, but I can't prevent all the pain in my life. And I have, you know, people have asked me hypothetical situations, what would you do for your family in this situation? And I've had to wrestle with, with the answers to that. And I've come to peace with the fact that God will and can care for my children. God will be the perfect parent. He will be the perfect provider. And so I've committed myself to surrendering my children to him, praying for them and committing them to his care, and that he will be their ultimate father. And I hope that all of you mothers here today may find rest and peace in the Lord, and I wish you a special blessing today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we <clears throat> bow before you this morning. We thank you that you have blessed us so richly. I thank you this morning for all the mothers present here today. I pray a special blessing on their lives today. I pray that you would grant them strength, grant them understanding <coughs> for the families that you have called them to care for. I pray that you would uphold them during the challenging days, give them strength and grace, and help them turn to you for direction and guidance. I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Chad, do you have a song? <clears throat>